And today, uh, we are just going to do a, a little standalone sermon that I hope, it's my hope and prayer, that this would just be an encouragement to us as we move into the new year in helping to prioritize our time and our mental, emotional, and physical energy properly. And, and that is just going to be a little encouragement on the importance of discipline, the importance of discipline. And oftentimes when people do their New Year's resolutions and all those types of things, it's, it's very much in the line of something, uh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to give up that, or I'm, gonna, I'm going to start doing this, or I'm going to stop doing that. And and as we move into 2020, you know, I, I was thinking of, okay, well, it's got like the vision thing, got like the focus thing, 2020 vision. Eh, I'm, not, I'm not that creative to do something with vision. I'm just going to do discipline. So we are going to focus on the significance and value of spiritual discipline, and in particular, spiritual disciplines. Before we get there, however, uh, I was thinking this week and preparing for this sermon, and it reminded me of one of my favorite stories growing up when I was a little boy, and this is Where the Wild Things Are by Maurice Sendak. How many of you know the book that I'm talking about, right? And it's the story of Max, a little boy who dresses up, dresses up in his, his wolf outfit, and he's kind of causing a, a ruckus, at least that's kind of the implication. And his mom says, you wild thing. And she says, ah, he's, I'm going to eat you up. And she says, oh, go to your room. And he goes to his room and doesn't get his supper, doesn't get his food. And when he goes to his room, there he kind of transports to this magical place where the wild things are. And he meets the other wild things, these monsters, and he does a magic trick and tames them, and he becomes the king of the wild things. And as he is there, as their king, he decrees that they are going to have their wild rumpus. You guys remember this, right? And he and the other wild things, they go and essentially indulge in their heart's content to play and frolic and do all that they want. Now, years later, in college, I took a children's literature course, primarily because it was supposed to be an easy A, but also because I had heard that the professor was this amazing teacher. He was a world-renowned uh, children's literature uh, mind, and we got to read children's books. So, I mean, it's a pretty cool thing, right? And the very first book that we read was Where the Wild Things Are. And we read it through the lens of kind of like a, a psychoanalysis of Maurice Sendek into what he was trying to express through this story. And I learned that really Maurice Sendek's aim in this little book is to show the power struggle between children and parents, as subtle as that is, and how children desire to love and be loved by their parents, but they also want to indulge in their own passions, do their own thing. They want to be in control. And the best thing that a parent can do 
is to continue to love them through that with good boundaries, but to help them to ultimately mature past their immature impulses and urges. And I, I say all that to say that I think that the Lord does the exact same thing with us, right? And today my hope is that we can be encouraged to perhaps recognize how we are oftentimes wild things and by God's grace how we can begin to walk in a more disciplined life spiritually that we may be able to receive the good gifts, the food, the nourishment that the Lord has for us as we go through this journey called life. Because discipline in our faith is paramount. It is so important, it is critical, and yet it is a massive issue in the American church. We, as Christians in America, are by and large very undisciplined. We, we are. We're, we're just, we're a product of the American culture, which is all about self-indulgence, which is all about feeding our appetites, which is all about getting what we want as soon as we want it, right? That is the American cultural push and pressure. And that infiltrates our thinking and infiltrates the way that we live our lives spiritually. And so that instead of working through the difficult seasons of life in a disciplined way, we end up defaulting to the easy way out, the quick and happy fix that indulges our flesh rather than disciplines it through the power of the Spirit of God. And oftentimes we make excuses or we rationalize and we say that, ah, oh, well, uh, that's legalistic. I don't want to do that because that's legalism. I don't want to fall into legalism. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about legalism, but I today am not talking about earning anything from God. So I want to say right at the outset, this is all about walking in God's grace and the power of His Spirit that He gives us, that He produces within us, right? We cannot be scared off from pursuing discipline because of some legalism that we may have grown up with or some context that may have tried to force us into this little Christian box because what happens is the pendulum swings to the other side and we end up forsaking all discipline spiritually altogether. And both the Old Testament and the New Testament, including the words of Christ, make crystal clear that the Lord expects His people to be obedient and to follow Him in a disciplined way, to, to be holy as He is holy, right? Leviticus 11 and 1 Peter 1 both talk about that. And part of the way that we are to be holy is to walk in the discipline of the Spirit. Now, how many of you have felt stagnant in your faith at some point, or maybe even right now? 
I mean, it is a reality of the journey of faith. Or maybe you've never really experienced God's power at work in your life. Maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you feel like it has really kind of lacked the move of God, the evidence of His power. Or, or maybe you've never really gone to the Lord for direction or for guidance or to be spoken to. And I believe that a large reason why that's the case for many of us, why we become stagnant or why we never see the Lord at work is because we lack discipline. Because we do not prioritize the desires and affections of our hearts and minds after the Lord first and instead we run after what the world has to offer. Now, there's an inverse relationship, and, and we have to see this, there's a directly opposite relationship between the influence that the world has on us and the influence that the Spirit of God has on us, all right? So the more that we are walking in the influence of the world, the less that we will be walking in the influence of the Spirit. And of course, the more that we are walking in the influence of the Spirit, the less influence that the world will have on us. Now, that doesn't mean that there will be less temptation. It just means that there is less influence, its ability to draw our hearts to it. And what we are being influenced by is purely a function of self-control. It's purely a function of the discipline of the Spirit at work within us, right? Galatians 5 tells us that self-control, discipline is one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, right? It's something that God produces within us as we seek it. So there's a discipline in itself to seek to become more disciplined. See, the Lord, the Lord doesn't just sprinkle discipline juice, uh, discipline dust on us and all of a sudden, oh, I'm more self-controlled. There is a discipline in walking by the Spirit to become more disciplined. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the willingness and the desire to bend your knee and say, Lord, make me into who you have called me to be by the power of your Spirit and give me the power to do this. I am willing, Lord, Take this vessel and make it yours. That is the discipline I'm talking about. Earlier in Galatians 5, Paul is talking about this process. Paul is talking about this war that is waging. And he says in verses 16 through 18, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That is the war that is going on, and too often, Darth Vader wins. Yeah, I had to get Star Wars in here somehow, right? I figured I'd just get a little subtle. All right, instead of the power of the Spirit moving, and this is a matter of discipline. It's a matter of discipline by the grace of God. 
the lack of spiritual depth in many Christians, I will argue, is due to our lack of spiritual discipline. Plain and simple. Because of our pursuit of instant gratification, I see the cookie and now I eat the cookie. It, it gives way to us living undisciplined spiritual lives, what the scripture calls in Galatians, indulging our flesh. And it elevates our pursuit of those, of those things that our selfish, prideful desires crave above the things of God. So what happens is that, is that many Christians, many of us who we, we long for a deeper walk with God, we desire more intimacy, we desire more uh, experience of His power at work within us. We don't have that because we don't discipline ourselves to actually receive it. And the less effort that we give to be disciplined, the more that we will live undisciplined lives according to our flesh. It spirals in either direction. So the more, by God's grace, we seek discipline, the more that we will walk in the discipline of the Spirit as the Spirit produces more self-control within us. So we walk in the fruit of the Spirit and experience the power of God more and more. And the exact opposite is true. The more that we walk in an undisciplined life, indulging our desires, falling deeper and deeper, spiraling into sin, it will continue to go further and further out of control. And it's interesting because many of us can be very disciplined in certain areas of our lives. I can discipline myself to wake up in the morning and go for a run or to go and uh, brush my teeth every day. Let's take an easy one. I discipline myself to wake up and brush my teeth. I hope that's a discipline that most of us have. But it is a discipline. And many of us do it because that has become the habit of our life. Well, why do you do it? Well, it's because you were taught to do it. But more than that, I hope, it's because you value your teeth right? You value the health of your teeth. Can I get an amen from my dental hygienists out here? There we go, right? Well, let's just, let's just be honest with ourselves, guys. Why do we find it so difficult to practice spiritual discipline? Is because we don't really value it. I mean, we say we value it. We say that we want to follow God and we want to grow in our faith. But that's a very intellectual answer for most of us. It's not an honest heart desire. And as we move into this new year, part of fresh beginnings is honesty with ourselves. I mean, how many of you can honestly say, I hope, if the Spirit is moving in you, that, you know what, I just don't value my walk with God highly enough. 
I don't value what the Spirit can do in my life enough to actually pursue that because that's what we're talking about. That's what spiritual discipline is. It is valuing the things of God above anything else and therefore pursuing him through the avenues that he has shown us so that we can walk more in his power and his purposes for our lives rather than the drivel that the world has to offer. First Timothy 4, 7 to 8, which is the main text that I just want to chew on for a second, is a great passage. It's one that I have often quoted to justify my lack of physical exercise. And this is what it says. It says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. In the NIV, I love it. It says, have nothing to do with old wives' tales. <laughs> Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, or little value in the King James, I believe it says, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Right here is your quintessential verse for the importance of discipline, of training, of exercise spiritually, of working out your faith to grow in the holiness, the godliness that the Lord will produce in us through His Spirit. In the Greek, the words train or training, you can see it, it, it it's the word that we get gymnasium from, and it means to exercise vigorously or to discipline your body, mind, and emotions. We always forget that third one. To vigorously exercise and discipline your body, mind, and emotions. That's learning to have a right orthopraxy, the right practice. Learning to have the right doctrine or belief, orthodoxy. And learning to have the right Feelings or emotions, orthopathy. I didn't make a slide of that, sorry. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy, P-A-T-H-Y. And Scripture tells us that we can develop each of those three things as we pursue the Lord, as we pursue Christ, the more that we walk in the discipline of the Spirit the more that we are seeking God and prioritizing His purposes above our own purposes. Now, in Scripture, there are three main ways that we grow in godliness, that we grow in holiness, that we become more like Christ. Three main avenues, I should say, three, three means to that end. And there are many, many verses, I just picked a few, but the first way that the Lord uses to produce godliness within us is through the circumstances of life, 
you all know we go through difficult times and victorious times. And in both of those circumstances, the Lord, as we discipline ourselves to see what He is doing and to approach that trusting Him, trusting in our Master and King, Jesus Christ, He will refine us through the circumstances of life. And He will also bring brothers and sisters around us men and women who can help to speak truth into our life and to refine us and to mature us and to, to encourage us when we need that encouragement or to, to say, hey, Matthew, I see this sin going on in your life and it's a problem. And I love you, brother. I'm going to walk with you through that to help to sharpen. Right? That's what the Proverbs says. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, Right? So the Lord uses the circumstances of life. The Lord uses people around us, sometimes people who you don't even like very much. In fact, oftentimes He uses people you don't like very much because that's part of the discipline process. That's a whole other sermon. But you think of the five people in your life who annoy you the most, and you just identified the people who the Lord is going to use to refine you the most. That's how He works. But the third thing, and the one that we're going to take the most time on today, is through spiritual disciplines. Through spiritual disciplines. And Galatians 6 talks about this abstractly, and then Scripture gives us greater depth. So this is what Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, what does that mean? Well, very simply... It means what you are putting effort and time and your passions and your emotions and your pursuit, your heart into is going to determine what is produced in your life. If we are pursuing those things of the flesh in an undisciplined life, there's going to be corruption, there's going to be death. That will result. All those things are wood, hay, and stubble. They are going to burn, Jesus says. But if we, by God's grace, are disciplining ourselves to pursue the things of the Spirit and to walk in the discipline of the Spirit, there will be great fruit. There will be life, eternal life, things that will last eternally, that will not burn up. Now, I love the definition of the spiritual disciplines from Donald Whitney, and I'll tell you his book in a, in a little bit, but he, he defines spiritual disciplines like this. He says, spiritual disciplines are avenues by which we place ourselves in the path of God's grace. 
intentionally seeking deeper understanding and relationship with Him and with His body, the church. Those, that definition encompasses what spiritual disciplines are. See, it's very important that we see that the discipline itself is all by God's grace. This is nothing that we are doing on our own strength, but it does, God's grace works in conjunction with our volition, our will, right? Our desire to be more like Christ, to be holy as he is holy. So the more that we say, Lord, I want this, and I am sincere in seeking this, it's not just an intellectual thing, but it is actually the desire of my heart, the Lord will give us everything we need to accomplish that, to walk in more discipline. And usually it starts with confessing the fact that we're pathetic. Can I get an amen for that? Right? Confessing the fact that my heart and desire is not focused on that, Lord. I confess that, I repent of that, and Lord, I need you to help move me to discipline. And that is what faith in Christ will do. That is what the power of the Spirit will do as we seek him. Because the discipline itself does not produce the change, it simply exposes us to the conditions that God uses to refine and mature us to be more like him. So as we are asking the Lord to put us in that place, and he, he exposes us to more of those circumstances and situations and people, that's when maturity comes, that's when growth emerges, and that's when we meet the Lord, or rather, He meets us right in that place, right? Scripture says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to us, right? But again, I just want to make crystal clear that this is not something that we do by ourselves. I'm not talking about some legalistic approach to experiencing God, or by getting his grace. This is by faith that the Lord cultivates within our hearts as we bow our knees humbly to him, seeking more of him. And then he will bring that to us in various ways. God's grace is never earned, nor is it earnable in any way but we can grow in the discipline of seeking grace, of, of by God's power being placed in the oncoming train tracks of God's grace. And just like facing down a train, that takes a lot of guts sometimes, or insanity. But it's taking that step and saying, all right, Lord, do your thing. I want this more than I want all this garbage from the world. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love, I love uh, reading his books, and one of his very famous quotes is he says that God's grace is free, but it is not cheap. And so God freely gives as we humbly come before him, but it is not cheap. And that, that part is where the discipline comes in. Christ died for us. <laughs> That's not cheap 
Jesus Christ took all of all of our mess-ups on himself and died in our place so that we can walk in the discipline of the Spirit by faith. Grace is not cheap, but it is free. And so when we see Christ and we, we are reminded again of what he has done for us and the power of that and how we are lost and have nothing apart from Christ, that should ignite within us and remind us that his purposes and his plans and his power is the greatest thing any of us could ever experience. And that should move within us to see the frivolity of the world and to put it in its right place. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. That is the mindset of a disciplined disciple of Christ, a disciplined follower of Jesus. And so what does it mean to deny yourself daily? I would argue that, among other things, what Christ had in mind is the practice of spiritual disciplines as his disciple as we seek to grow in humility and become more and more like our rabbi, like our, our master teacher, our, our savior, our Lord, our king, right? And so what are these spiritual disciplines that I have been mentioning all throughout this? Well, there's really no exhaustive list. Scripture mentions many different things. And I have just taken a broad stroke and categorized what I would call the 12 classic disciplines into three broad categories. And I want to give them to you. I'm not going to go into any depth with them. Perhaps one time in the future, we'll be able to get into more depth with each of these. But what I want us to see is that walking in the spiritual disciplines of God is, is not some esoteric thing. It's not just some words that a preacher talks about. It is very practical. It is, it is, you can touch it and feel it and taste it. Or not taste anything at all in the case of fasting. And so there are disciplines that are inward focused as the Lord works His grace in our hearts and minds. There are disciplines that are outward focused where he teaches us something by going outside of ourselves and, and seeking to minister and be ministered by others. And there are corporate disciplines that can only be done in godly community. So you can, you can see the first are the inward, right? And the very first one, of course, is reading the Word of God. That is a discipline. And it's one that we can make into a very legalistic thing. But by God's grace, it does not have to be that way and should not be that way. It is the primary way that the Spirit feeds us, gives us that meal. 
is through God's very word. And as we read something and something strikes us deeply, then we can learn to meditate upon it. And just very briefly, meditation is not about emptying yourself of anything. It is about filling yourself with the truth of God's word. So scripture and meditation go hand in hand. There's a reason why scripture says to meditate upon it. Of course, prayer, which I'll just admit I'm pathetic when it comes to prayer. It's something I got to confess regularly to the Lord. And each one of these, there are going to be ones where we are, are naturally feel like we're more inclined to. Here is my recommendation. By God's grace, ask him to help you do the ones that you're not inclined to. That's where you will begin to see real growth. In fasting, right? Abstaining from food a very visceral way that we feel our flesh rearing up and demanding to be satisfied. There is tremendous discipline in learning to not eat and seek the Lord, not listen to our flesh, but seek the Spirit. Fasting is a beautiful discipline that allows for tremendous, tremendous growth in self-control. Then, of course, you have the outward disciplines, and you can see those next. By the way, I just love this picture of this dog. It's like, I want to be that dog for you, Jesus, with that big treat right on my nose, and I'm just going to hold it there. And the outward disciplines, simplicity and stewardship, that has to do with our materialism, guys. Do we live materialistic, complicated, convoluted lives, or by God's grace, do we have the discipline to live simply and to be a good steward of what he has entrusted to us, generously giving to those around us in need? And right along with that is solitude and silence, learning to just be still. Just listen and be okay with that. I mean, if I stood here for a minute and just watched all of you, several of you would begin to feel awkward. Why? Our culture has ruined the discipline of solitude and silence because we are forever plugged in with these things. Service. Stop focusing on yourself. Serve others by God's grace. Evangelism. You ever think of this as a spiritual discipline? Something that we can intentionally, by God's grace, pursue? It is. And then, of course, the corporate disciplines. Confession, which in evangelicalism, by the way, has crumbled because of our response to the Catholic confessional booth. It's a very godly thing 
to go to someone and to confess your sin. Now, that's not necessary, of course, to have your sins forgiven, but it's a great discipline for accountability. We need to do this regularly to worship our God as a family, not just at a a service on the weekend, but as often as we have opportunity to praise Him, to have nights where we were just singing His praises and blessing His name. I hope we can do that more as a congregation. Seeking guidance, and this goes into the category of discipleship, Seeking guidance from godly men and women who we know have been there and done that, who are mature and who we trust to be able to give us godly wisdom. Not just posting our thoughts on social media and seeing who comments and what I can get out of that, but being intentional about cultivating relationships with mature brothers and sisters who can pour into us. That is a spiritual discipline. And celebration, celebration of our God, who he is and what he has done. We're about to do that. We're about to celebrate. Now, if you want to learn more about spiritual disciplines, I have three books here that I would commend to you. The first on the left is by Donald Whitney. It's the uh, definition that I used. Great resource. Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster is kind of the the classic title on the subject. Would commend that as well. And Jan Johnson has a Bible study that is meant to help you to begin to practice those disciplines. And she has some great insights and great practical ways to begin to walk in those disciplines more regularly in your life. And of course, we get back to the wild rumpus, where the wild things are. And as Max was indulging in his desires, eventually he grew tired of that, seeing that it was something that would not fulfill him. And he decided to leave the island of the wild things. And they fought and they tried to keep him there. They wanted him to stay, to be their king, to be the one who was in control. But Max realized that, meh, that wasn't going to be all that it was cracked up to be. And so he went back to his room, traveled through his imagination, and when he returned... He smelled the warm meal that his mom had left for him there, waiting for him to calm down and to come back to his senses and to obediently submit to her authority, to be disciplined in her pursuit of the good things that she had for him. And that is all that practicing spiritual disciplines are. It's recognizing that our Heavenly Father has so many delicious meals for us to experience His power and His goodness, to not be stagnant, but to be flourishing in faith. 
But what is required is humbly laying down control, putting aside our desire for that wild rumpus, and by God's grace, walking in his discipline with our eyes fixed on Christ, reminded of what he has done for us on the cross so that we value God's ways, God's plans, God's purposes above the desires of our flesh, of what this world says. And as we do that this new year, it is my hope that we will learn to be a more disciplined church to the glory of God and to the growth of our hearts and minds in Christ. Amen?